I mean, more than that this morning. He's such a good God. He's such a faithful God. Oh, we love you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. You can be seated. We live in a very interesting time right now. A very exciting time. A very prophetic time. And God is setting things up for the church. Don't think for a moment that what is taking place in society is coincidental or it's something that's just happening. God allows every single situation, every single circumstance. I know it's been preached across this pulpit many times about it didn't take God by surprise any of the things that are happening. But he's setting the church up for this time. Amen? Grab your Bibles. Stand to our feet today. Just got one scripture for us. Appreciate this church. Appreciate our pastor. And everything God is allowing him to lead us through. And to. And to challenge us. And to push us. God is awesome. Romans chapter 13, verse 11. When you're there, say amen. And that knowing the time. It's good to know what time it is. And that knowing the time. That now is, now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than we believe. And that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than we believe. Why don't you look at your neighbor this morning and say, it's time. There's no other time than right now. Yesterday has already passed. Tomorrow is tomorrow. Now is the time. I'm going to preach with the help of the Holy Ghost from this Title, there is no other plan. There is no other plan. Let's put our Bibles down. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Lord Jesus, God, we ask you to move in this house this morning. God, you are faithful to us. You are always on time with us. Nothing has ever caught you by surprise. You set everything in order. God, we ask you this morning to visit us, to do a work in this place. God, we thank you for leading us to this place. We thank you for such a time of this, God. We thank you for opportunity and resources that you have put into our hands. God, you are faithful. You are great. You are mighty. We love you in Jesus' name. Why don't we clap our hands to him? Come on, why don't we give him praise right now? God, we love you. God, we praise you. God, we want you to work. We want you to speak, God. We want you to change whatever you want to change. Amen. You may be seated. Nearly 60 years ago, the world began to prematurely write the obituary of the little nation of Israel. This is what is known as the Six-Day War. The armies of Egypt, Jordan, Syria, Iraq, Saudi Arabia, and Sudan were all poised at Israel's border. And they were prepared to eradicate the Jewish nation. 
they had made their intentions known. They had broadcasted it loud and clear that they intended to destroy the nation of Israel. And none of the world's powers were willing to stick out their necks out in defense of the Jewish state. Not even the United States. The descendants of Abraham were once again alone against impossible odds. On the eve of the war, the Egyptian forces that occupied the Sinai Peninsula were composed of seven battle-tested divisions. Those seven divisions were made up of 120,000 warriors. Professional soldiers were trained for combat and tested in the fires of previous conflicts. At least a thousand tanks and three lines of defensive artillery positions were deployed in support of Egypt's seven divisions. Israel at the time had no standing army. However, in response to the threats of hostilities, she called up her military reserves. Around 45,000 men and women answered the call. They were formed into three Israeli divisions with about 650 tanks to support them. It is notable that they were not soldiers. They were just normal people. Bakers, butchers, teachers, bankers, mechanics, ordinary people from all walks of life. But as their nation stood at the brink of annihilation, they answered the call to come to their nation's defense. You see, Israel was in a very difficult position. She was forced to fight for her very right to exist. Yet her army and air force were undermanned, and most of her planes and tanks were World War II castoffs, surplus military equipment that was anything but state-of-the-art. Meanwhile, their adversaries were professional warriors armed with the best military hardware that money could buy. This is why the world had already written Israel off before the fighting even began because they were facing impossible odds. However, there was a certain mindset among the Jews that cannot be quantifiably factored into any military analysis of disposition of troops and of assets. That mindset became the deciding factor in the Six-Day War. It was embodied in a single Hebrew phrase that became the official motto of the Israeli military and the Israeli people as a whole. The phrase was embria. It means no alternative or there is no choice. It essentially it represented the fact that Israel was fighting for her national existence. There were no reserve troops. There was no backup plan. There was no support from anywhere else. The full weight of their national survival rested on their own shoulders. Every man and woman who went into combat on June 5th, 1967, did so with the understanding that there was no alternative to victory. 
They were Israel's last and greatest hope. Embria meant they could not settle for anything less than victory. Embria meant that when they met impossible odds, they had to fight anyway because they were all there was. Embria meant that when they faced insurmountable obstacles, they had to keep going because the hope of Israel was riding on their shoulders. It was an attitude that was embodied in the famous speech given by Major General Tal on the eve of the battle. He called all the officers together and this is what he told them. He said, our plan is good. He said, I'm confident that you are capable of executing the plan down to the finest details. But one thing I know as a veteran combat is that when the shooting starts tomorrow, the plans are going out the window. Nothing will happen according to those plans. He said the lines of advance are going to be wrong. The guy next to you is going to get killed. You're going to try to call headquarters, but you won't be able to get through. Everything is going to seem to break down. In that moment, Major General Tao said, I need you to remember one thing about the plan. There is one critical element that cannot be forgotten in the heat of the moment. When everything else changes, remember the concept behind the plans. That concept is simple. Every man attacks Every tank attacks, every unit will advance as fast as it can towards its final objective. Pay no attention to your flanks, the left, or to the right. Just like we heard preached on Wednesday night, there's going to be distractions to the left and to the right. He said, give no thought to resupply. If you attack with 10 tanks and nine of them are destroyed, keep advancing with the 10th. Whatever you do, don't stop. Don't lose momentum. Other countries, Major General Tal said, can afford to lose the initial battle and still carry the day. We can't. We are all that we have. The fate of our nation rests on your shoulders. If you are defeated tomorrow, our nation will be forever lost. You are our only plan. Embria, no alternative. The battle tomorrow will be life and death. Every man will attack, giving no thought to casualties. There will be no retreat. There will be no halt. There will be no hesitation, only forward momentum. Ambria, we cannot afford to lose. And the rest is history. Israel prevailed against impossible odds. They destroyed the Egyptian Air Force in one day. And while there is no doubt they owe the miraculous victory to only the blessings of God. There is also little doubt that Embria mindset is what carried them through the fiercest of the fighting and compelled them to victory. Even when defeat seemed imminent, they settled the issue before the fight ever began. They can't, there can be no surrender. There can be no defeat because we are the only plan. I want you to understand something this morning. This church is God's only plan for reaching this city. This church 
is God's only plan for reaching Huntington, Indiana. This is it. There is no other plan. There is no other alternative. God has no other means to reach the world except through his church. He has no other plan to minister to the lost and the hurting world except through us. He has no other way to mend the brokenhearted, to bring healing to those that are sick in spirit and in body, to bring hope to those that are hopeless except through us. God has no other plan to demonstrate His power and His authority except through the church. I want you to understand today that God has chosen us to reach a lost world through His church. That is it. That's all there is, is the church. The church isn't perfect. It isn't composed of religious professionals. It isn't made up. It is made up of men and women. It's not made up of men and women who were trained specifically for the purpose and plan He puts in our hands. Much like the small army of the Israeli army that took the field of battle in a six-day war. The church is composed of volunteers. It is composed of ordinary men and women, factory workers, salesmen, teachers, truck drivers, healthcare professionals, normal men and women who have a few things in common. We've been washed in the blood. We've been forgiven. Our sins have been washed away. We've been baptized in the name of Jesus. We have been filled with the Holy Ghost. Those are the things that binds us and ties us together and makes us the church. It's not a four-walled building. That's a church. This is just a place that we come and minister unto God. This isn't where we come to have church. We come to minister and to worship and to praise God. We are the church. We all have our faults. We all have flaws. We, all of us, not one of us, is perfect. You might think you are, but you're not. We're the church. And God has fully invested Himself into the church for the purpose of saving the world. This is the body of Christ. This is His body. His church in a world that is hurting that is dying and going to a devil's hell. This is the means by which God has chosen to manifest His mercy and His grace. The hope of the entire world rests upon the shoulders of the church. Nothing, everybody say nothing. Nothing is closer to the heart of God than saving the lost. It's the centerpiece of the Word of God. Read in the book of Acts about the beginning of the church, the persecution the circumstances, the situations with individuals like a John Mark, the stoning of Paul when they thought they were gods and they said, no, we're men like you and they wanted to kill them after that, but they wanted to serve them when they thought they were gods. The persecution that came in their way when they ran out of town because of a gospel, because of being 
the church that God chose. God became a man. He robed himself in flesh. He walked upon this earth for one singular purpose. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. That purpose is what drove him to the cross. That purpose is what compelled him to lay down his life, to shed his blood so that others might live. It was a supreme mission of heaven. He died so that I might live. We know that. We fully comprehend that. But what we may not fully comprehend today is that when it was all done, when the cross was finished, when the tomb was emptied, when Christ finished His work on the earth, He left it all in our hands. In the hands of a small group of men and women called the church. The most amazing work of God ever was not the creation of the universe. The sun, stars, planets, the sunset. The most amazing work of God was what was accomplished on the cross. The cross is a single greatest demonstration of the supreme power and glory of God. At the cross, God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. God manifest in the flesh. At the cross, God so loved the lost that He made a way to shed His own blood for mankind. At the cross, God made Himself a little lower than the angels that He might suffer death for every man. At the cross, He defeated sin and He led captivity captive. But when it was all finished, when it was all said and done, He left it all in the hands of the church. I cannot tell you today how incredibly important the church really is. I don't think we ever understand fully how important that we are to this world. We get so caught up in who we are as a man or as a woman but never totally understanding the power and the authority and the grace and mercy that is within us. When He filled you with the Holy Ghost, you're not just a man or just a woman. You're the only Jesus this world will ever see. You have the answer to a hurting and dying world. Words, words would fail to express the magnitude of the confidence and the purpose that God invested into the church. This conglomeration of people, this mixture of humanity, this group of individuals with differing ideas and uh, styles and, and opinions and, and personalities. Not one of us is alike. We're all unique. We're all different. We have different styles. We have different personalities. We have different makeups. We have different heartbeats. We have different experiences. But that's what makes up the church. That's the hope of the entire world 
is the church. Christ in you, the hope of glory, the presence and the power of God in this church corporately, in this body, and in each and every one of us individually is the hope to a lost world. It is the only hope that this world has is you and I, the church. Think about it for a moment. God went to incredible lengths to secure salvation of the lost. He went so far as to robe himself in flesh. He didn't trust that mission to anyone or anything else. He addressed the sin problem himself. However, when it comes to propagation of the message of the cross, when it comes to the reaching of the world, when the message of salvation, with the message of salvation, God has fully invested his confidence in the church. Listen to me this morning. I want you to hear this. We are God's only plan. There is no other plan. There is no alternative. There is no plan B. There is no other option. We are the church. We are the people of God. And we are God's plan for this city. For this community. For this hour. If God saves anyone here, he'll do it through us. If God ministers to a hurting world and the wounded, he will do it through us. If God wants to set captives free and break the bonds of addiction, he'll do it through you and I. God will not come down into our community and call men to repentance. He'll send us. You look at John. His only message. Repent. For the kingdom of God is at hand. God didn't do a booming voice from the heavens. He used a man to say repent. For the kingdom of God is at hand. We are God's only plan. It is our duty and obligation as men and women filled with the Holy Ghost, with the power and the authority of the Most High God to preach repentance and baptism in the name of Jesus and help to heal and wounded people and see them filled with the Holy Ghost and power and authority and to propagate the gospel to the world. You and I. That's it. God will not reach out a hand to the brokenhearted. He'll send us. God will not stretch forth his hand to heal anyone in our community. He'll send us to stretch forth our hand because we are the church. He put everything into our hands with the power and the authority of the Holy Ghost. Don't misunderstand me this morning. I'm not trying to limit God by saying that. But He put it in us, His Spirit. He gave us the plan. He said, you are the plan. I, you're the only plan I have. And I'm entrusting in the church that plan. I'm giving you the power and the authority, the resources to fulfill my plan. You are the plan. You have to grasp the importance of this this morning. God has placed himself in our hands. His spirit within us. That rising up 
of boldness. That moving without fear. That courage. That fortitude. That power. That authority. That mindset of I can take on anything. It didn't come naturally to you. It is through the Holy Ghost, His power, and His authority that you have that within you. God has placed the effectiveness of His single greatest work in your hands. We are the church. We are God's chosen vessel. You didn't choose God. He chose you. He said, I want that one. If they'll allow me, I want that one. It's up to you to deliver him to the lost world. It's up to the church to give him to a lost world. Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Have you repented of your sins? Have you been baptized in Jesus' name? Full immersion, underwater, not sprinkled, not titles. Do you believe in one God? Well, let me show you. We're it. Ain't nobody else preaching the Word of God message, the full gospel of the Word of God. Nobody else but the church. We are the ambassadors of Jesus Christ. We are the heralds of the cross of Calvary. We are called out of this world to take the message to the world. We're called to declare hope to the hopeless, to bring peace to those that are in chaos. You understand, people don't have it all together like you and I do. There's Sunday school kids living in hotel rooms. They don't have proper homes. They don't have a mom and dad that understand how to be a mom and dad. They need us, folks. They need the church. They need the church to come alongside and wrap their arms around them and say, hey, let me teach you a little bit. Let me show you in the Word of God. Let me show you from experience. Let me speak hope into your life. Let me speak power and authority into your life. Let me teach you. Let me love on you a little bit. Let me allow the Holy Ghost to work through me, to work on you. We're the church. We're the church. We're the only hope. We're the church. We're called to bring peace. We're called to bring healing. We're called to bring each and every one of them to the cross. To a place of repentance. I mean, a man had one singular message. Repent for the kingdom of God is ahead. And he's put the whole thing in our hands. Not just one singular message. I want somehow this morning to impress upon you the urgency and the importance of your calling as the church. There's a lost world counting on us. They're counting on us to deliver the saving message of the gospel. You've got to repent of your sins. Not just in tears of sorrow. But you got to change the way you think. you got to change the direction you're going. That's true repentance. 
That's the message they need to hear. Not just love Jesus. Not just love Jesus. Sorry to be crass, but over the last week, there's four individuals that overdosed. Brother Michael, you told me that yesterday. Three. And the message that the church, supposable church, was putting out was, hey, we'll see you in heaven. No, if you're the church, you're preaching, you gotta repent. You gotta, you gotta be sorrowful. You gotta change the way you think. You gotta change the direction you're going. Not just that you said, I love Jesus and I changed my life. You've got to be baptized in Jesus' name. There is no other way. You have to be baptized in Jesus' name. You have to go down in water in the name of Jesus. That's what the Bible tells me. Not just believe. Not just love. That's part of it. That's something that I just do. I love him. I believe him. And because I love him, I want him to forgive me and cleanse me so he can do whatever he wants in my life. I'm willing to fling every door open that's in my heart and give you free reign to search me and to cleanse me and to purify my heart. I'm willing to give you complete control, God. I'm willing to throw it all out on this shoulder like a bunch of garbage. You've got to do that. Hear me this morning. You have to be baptized in the name of Jesus. And I know you know that. You have to be filled with the Holy Ghost. If you do that and that, he said you shall. It's not you might, you will. You're going to receive the Holy Ghost. And how are you going to know you got the Holy Ghost? Just like the book of Acts. They begin to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. That's what we need to tell them. If you don't tell them, no one else will. Nobody. I don't know how many churches are in town but not one of them is going to tell them that message. If you don't reach them, nobody will. God has placed himself in your hands. God has commissioned the church with his greatest work and he has no other plan. The hope of our community, the eternal future of every man and woman here this morning rests on your shoulders. If we don't reach them, if we don't bring them to the cross, if we don't share with them the incredible grace of God, no one will. During those six days in June of 1967, the Israeli army would be faced with insurmountable opposition over and over again. Each time that it seemed as if the advance would falter, individual soldiers would remind themselves that the hope of their nation rested upon their shoulders. They would say, if I fail... Israel fails. If I'm defeated, my nation will be defeated. And Bria, there's no alternative. God is doing a work in the church. Renewal, restoration, for the purpose of refocusing us on the primary mission of reaching the lost. I'm convinced, just like our scripture said this morning, it's high time for the church to awake, to be stirred by the same kind of conviction that compelled Israel into battle on June 5th, 1967. It's high time 
for us to recognize this is not just something we do. This is not just a portion of our lives. This is everything. Church isn't just something that you are a part of. The church is who you are. It isn't just something that we do on a Sunday and Wednesday. It's what we were made for. God informed, God formed you in your mother's womb for this purpose. He didn't make you to be a factory worker. He didn't make you to be a salesman. He didn't make you to drive a forklift. He didn't invest life into you just so you could draw a paycheck to build a home, to have a family, to save up for retirement. There is more to life than this. God formed you with purpose and the greatest purpose in your life is the ministry of the cross. God made you to be the church. Long before he ever called you out of the life of sin, he had a divine purpose for each and every life. Long before he ever filled you with his spirit, he formed you for a greater purpose. And I believe that God is bringing this church to that place of renewal and restoration, of revival. Things are happening. And you may look at last year as a negative. You may look at last year as something that, that was hurtful. But God is using that. God is using you in restoration and renewal to reach this world with the power and the authority and the boldness that God has placed in each and every one of you. This is the season of revival. But that revival rests on our shoulders. Embria, there is no alternative. We are the church. In our text, Paul confronts the church in Rome with the fact that they have been lulled to sleep. There are some who once were seized by the power of the cross, but the grip of weariness and exhaustion has grabbed a hold. Just drifting through life. No real purpose. You're called to God. Called you out of darkness. Called you into His marvelous light. You began ever so slowly to drift back to the life they've abandoned. Paul is pleading with them. He said, you need to awaken out of sleep. You need to stir yourself. You need to recognize again the purpose for which you are called. The unfortunate truth is that we're all human. We're all human. We're all vulnerable to the trap of being lulled to sleep by the relentless repetition of life. We never intended to get to the place where we were sleepwalking through white life. We never intended to get to the place where the call of God on our lives is yielded to the daily demands of living, working, and supporting our families. We never intended to come to that place where forward momentum slows to rise. Where personal, spiritual growth gives way to sluggish apathy. I thank God for a pastor and pastor's wife that is pushing, that is putting out apps of resources to take us where we need to go, to keep momentum rolling forward. Because we're their only hope 
old attitudes, old hurts. Come on, we're human. They try to hinder. They try to bring bitterness. It raises its ugly head, tries to govern our lives. But you need to understand who you are. You need to realize again who you are. You're the church. You're the greatest cause of Christ. You're the momentum. You're the push. You're the, you're the reaching. You're the healing that comes forth through the church. I believe it's this time for the church to awaken itself from slumber and recognize the hour we live in. You read the news. You see what's going on in our world. It's not coincidence. God has allowed it to all be set up for the church. We need to recognize this hour and the purpose for which we were made. We are the church. General Tao told those Israeli officers on that historical day that there's going to come a moment when the circumstances of the battle will overwhelm you. In that moment, when success or failure rests on your decision, remember this, Embria, no alternative. The hope of your nation is resting on your shoulders. There are some here this morning under the sound of my voice that have almost been overwhelmed by the struggles, weariness, exhaustion, and circumstances of the battle. I want you to realize today just how much is riding on you. Success or failure depends on what you do right now. You can either embrace the hope of today and turn your heart towards heaven and ask God for personal revival, or you can settle back in the rut that you've been stuck in for so long. In Jesus' name. But before you make that choice, let me remind you, there is no alternative. The hope of the lost world is resting on your shoulder. Let's stand. Will you answer the call? Will you embrace anew God's plan and purpose for your life? Are you willing to surrender your will, your plans for the cause of Christ? Your whole person, not holding a little bit back. And this saying, this is for me. No, are you all in? Jesus said that no man has put his hand to the plow and looks back is worthy of the kingdom. Complete consecration undivided focus. God wants revival in Huntington. God wants revival in Markle, in Warren, in Marion, Wabash, South Whitley, Columbia City, Fort Wayne. God wants revival 
but the question is simple. Are you willing to commit yourself to the cause? Are you willing to take the old man back to the cross and crucify him again? Is the church ready to be the church? I wonder this morning, can we find a place to pray? We need God to remind us through His Spirit this morning of who we are and what He's given us to do. Because you're the only plan. There is no alternative plan. There is no other option. You are in. You the church. We the church. We're in. I want my whole life to be totally consecrated to Him. Is that your prayer this morning? Do you want Him to search you thoroughly? Come on, take away weariness, God. Take away the heaviness. God, take away the exhaustion. God, I'm ready. I want to be bold. I want to be courageous. I want the fight in me. I want the fight in me. I want to be what you call me to be. I am the church. I am bold. I have your authority. I have your power. I have your grace, your mercy. Come on, is that your prayer this morning?